bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. We got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Lipogratic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. I was glad to see many of you last week at our Novogratic 2017 Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credits Conference in San Francisco. I also want to thank our expert panelists for sharing their knowledge and insights with our attendees. If you have any follow-up questions, please reach out to my partners, Tony Grapponi in our Boston office, or Stephen Tracy here in San Francisco. They'd be happy to assist. Turning now to our podcast, I have two This Week in History items that I want to share with you. First, this week marks nine years since the House passed H.R. 3221. It was titled the American Housing Rescue and Foreclosure Prevention Act. Does that sound familiar? I didn't think it would. The name of the bill was later changed to the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008, or HERA. HERA made a number of enhancements to the low-income housing tax credit and tax-exempt housing bond programs to increase their effectiveness. Among other things, HERA temporarily increased the amount of low-income housing tax credits that states could allocate, 20 cents. The bill also allowed the low-income housing tax credit to offset the alternative minimum tax, and it created a then-temporary, but now permanent, 9% low-income housing tax credit rate floor. President George W. Bush signed HERA into law July 30, 2008. HERA's LIHTC, or low-income housing tax credit enhancement provisions, were the result of a large effort, a concerted effort, by many in the low-income housing tax credit community. They worked together and supported a common agenda. This is very similar to the efforts around the Cantwell Hatch, Tiberi Neal low-income housing tax credit enhancements that are now before Congress. The affordable housing community is working to ensure that the current enhancement effort has a similar result as the HERA effort, namely the bills become law. Now let's turn to our second This Week in History item. This week also marks four years since Novogratz and Company released a special report, a report with the not-so-catchy title, Affordable Rental Housing After-Tax Reform, Calculating Corporate Tax Reform's Possible Effects on Equity Raised from Low-Income Housing Tax Credits. The report examined how lowering corporate tax rates and extending depreciation periods for residential rental real estate could affect low-income housing tax credit financing. The report, not too surprisingly, found that the amount of low-income housing tax credit equity that could be raised would drop by $220 million to $1 billion or even more. Keep in mind that those calculations were based on tax reform proposals at the time. The Obama administration then called for a 28% top corporate tax rate for most corporations, and House Republicans wanted a 25% top corporate tax rate. Now you fast forward to 2017, and House Republicans are now calling for a 20% top corporate tax rate, while the Trump administration wants a rate that's even lower, 15%. My partner Dirk Wallace and I wrote a blog post last month on a two-step approach that Congress could adopt to offset the effects on affordable production of a reduced corporate tax rate. Step one would be to increase the amount of allocable low-income housing tax credits. Step two is to modernize the credit percentage formula 
to ensure that all financially feasible developments remain so. You can find that blog post at www.novaco.com blog. Now, let's turn to this week's tax credit news. In our general section, I'll talk about how the House's recent passage of a health care reform bill affects efforts to advance tax reform legislation. In low-income housing tax credit news, I'll discuss a teleconference and web conference series hosted by the U.S. Department of Agriculture that's designed to enhance its multifamily housing program. Then, I'll share the results of a recent poll as to how voters feel about keeping tax incentives and tax reform. And there's particular reference to the low-income housing tax credit. After that, I'll discuss a bill that would create a main state low-income housing tax credit. In our new markets tax credit section, I'll talk about the official opening of the calendar year 2017 new markets tax credit allocation round and which deadlines you should be certain to mark on your calendar. And I'll close out with renewable energy tax credit news, where I'll discuss a bill introduced by Senator Ron Wyden, the ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee, that would create a new renewable energy tax credit program that is technology neutral. And the bill would extend expired or expiring clean energy provisions through the end of 2018. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the House plans to turn its full attention to tax reform after passing a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare last week. The House passed the American Health Care Act very narrowly. It was a vote of 217 to 213. Not a single Democrat voted for the bill, and 20 Republicans voted against it. Nonetheless, the bill is now in the Senate's hands. So the House has passed health care reform legislation. Is it smooth sailing ahead for tax reform? Well, not quite. What happens next with tax reform will likely be shaped by how the Senate handles health care reform. GOP senators have expressed concerns about the House bill's cap on the Medicaid expansion that's planned under Obamacare. More specifically, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said the Senate will not move forward with the bill until the Parliamentarian and the Congressional Budget Office review the bill. Senate Republican Whip John Cornyn said Thursday that there would be no arbitrary deadlines for passing health care legislation. That translates into amending the bill into something the Senate could pass is going to take a while. The extra attention that's needed to address health care reform likely means the Senate will not act to advance tax reform anytime soon. Remember, Senate Republican leaders have yet to release their tax reform priorities. That's even though the House GOP blueprint was released last year and the Trump tax outline was released last month. As I've noted in prior podcasts, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch has said that he wants to wait for more guidance from the White House as well as give the House a chance to advance tax reform since tax bills are supposed to start in the House. Now, on that note, White House Economic Advisor Gary Cohn did tell Fox Business News on Friday that the administration has been meeting with industry groups and with the Conservative House Freedom Caucus to talk about tax reform. Cohn said that using feedback from these listening sessions will help the administration draft a bill that can get through Congress substantially easier. Now, I should also mention that political and others are reporting that the House Freedom Caucus is working on writing its own tax reform bill, a bill that will likely lean closer to Trump's tax outline than the one by the House GOP. The House Republican tax reform blueprint 
does call for a 20% corporate tax rate and a broad adjustment tax that puts a tax on imports and exempts exports. The Trump plan calls for a 50% corporate tax rate and makes no mention of a border tax. Obviously, there's still much to be negotiated within and across party lines, across the hill, and up and down Pennsylvania Avenue. We do also hear that the House, Senate, and White House are meeting twice a week on tax reform. And Speaker Ryan still hopes to have a bill introduced by the August recess, but he understands it could spill over into the fall. That said, Speaker Ryan fully expects to pass a tax reform bill this calendar year. The uncertainty about when and how tax reform will advance and what that final package will look like continues to affect many businesses and enterprises. Those of us working in the affordable housing space know all too well the adverse effects tax reform is having on low-income housing tax credit financing. So, it's no surprise that tax reform and tax credits will be a hot topic at the Novogratic 2017 Affordable Housing Conference next week here in San Francisco. We're going to discuss how low-income housing tax credit investments are being affected by the implications of tax reform and what industry practitioners can do to keep affordable housing developments feasible. There'll be considerable discussion, both formal and informal, on the current state of the market for low-income housing tax credit pricing, such as the underlying corporate tax rate that transactions are being underwritten at and the terms of pricing adjusters, if any. The conference will be at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco, May 18th and 19th. The Palace Hotel was the site, by the way, of our first low-income housing tax credit conference decades ago. You can register at www.novoco.com events. I hope to see you there. We can reminisce about our first low-income housing tax credit conference, as well as ponder the effects tax reform is having on affordable housing unit production. In affordable housing news, the U.S. Department of Agriculture last week announced that it would host a series of teleconferences and web meetings on its multifamily housing program. The purpose of the meetings is to enhance the effectiveness of the multi-housing family program and to improve communication between the agency and program participants. The meetings have not been scheduled yet, but they're expected to be held quarterly. The USDA will send an email notification announcing meeting dates and times. To subscribe to that notification list, send your contact information to timothy.james at wdc.usda.gov. Turning to low-income housing tax credits specifically, a recent poll of registered voters found that 74% of the 2,000 registered voters polled are in favor of keeping the low-income housing tax credit in tax reform. In fact, the LIHTC received the support, the most support, I should say, of any corporate tax deduction or credit among those included in the poll. There was even more support than the R&D tax credit. That's a result that surprised many, but it comforted those working tirelessly for improving affordable housing opportunities for those in need. The poll was taken by Harvard Center for American Political Studies and Harris Insights and Analytics. The long-term tax credit showed strong bipartisan support among those surveyed. 66% of Republicans and 83% of Democrats were in favor of keeping the LIHTC during tax reform. A strong show of support for tax credit programs is important as Congress considers what to keep in the tax code and what to change or eliminate as part of tax reform. I should also say we encourage you to share the results of the poll with your elected leaders. In state news, a state low-income housing tax credit has been proposed in Maine. The Maine legislation would create a state credit 
for properties financed with tax-exempt housing bonds. Most of the regulations associated with the proposal mimic the federal long-compensing tax credit. The most significant difference is that the main credit would be taken over six years rather than the federal standard of 10 years. The main credit would go into effect January 1, 2018, and would have a $42 million statewide cap each year. That number could go higher if there were unallocated credits from the previous year or recaptured credits available. A property would be eligible for the state credit whether or not it actually receives a federal credit. The property just needs to be eligible for the federal credit. The Maine State Housing Authority would oversee the state program and it would be required to make an annual report on the developments that received the credit. The bill was assigned to the Joint Taxation Committee. To become law, it must pass both houses of the state legislature and be signed by the governor. And if the governor doesn't sign it and the legislature is still in session, it becomes a bill after 10 days. Currently, 15 states and the District of Columbia have state low income tax credits, and Minnesota has a proposed credit. You can find Maine Senate Bill 1461 at www.taxcredithousing.com. In New Markets Tax Credit News, the calendar year 2017 allocation round of the New Market Tax Credit is officially open. No breaking news there. Uh, as you know, most likely, the City of Fife on last week did release its Notice of Allocation Availability, making $3.5 billion in Tax Credit Allocation Authority available in the 2017 round. On that note, I did want to share some important deadlines with those of you who plan to apply for the Allocation Authority this round. Community Development Entity or CDE certification applications are due next Wednesday, May 17th. Let me repeat. CDE certification applications are due next Wednesday, May 17th. The new market tax rate application itself is due June 21st. That's Wednesday, June 21st. And the deadline to meet qualified equity investment issuance thresholds for prior allocatees is Friday, August 18th. Those deadlines again, I'm repeating them because they're so important. Submit your application to be certified as a CDE by Wednesday, May 17th. You have to submit your new market tax allocation by Wednesday, June 21st, and you must meet your qualified equity investment issuance thresholds by Friday, August 18th. I also want to mention that the CDFI Fund also released an updated compliance FAQ document. One of the changes in the FAQ document was the CDFI Fund removed language that appeared to restrict the use of qualified low-income community investment proceeds to reimburse or refinance operating costs. This was good to see, very happy about it. The NMC Working Group and the New Market Attachment Coalition and their members had worked with the CDFI Fund to encourage them to change these rules. And we're all very pleased that the rules were indeed modified. The updated compliance FAQ does also include new questions and answers regarding the financing of housing units. NMTC application material and more information about this year's round can be found at www.newmarketscredits.com. Also, I highly encourage you to register for the Novogradic 2017 NMTC application webinar. It's being held on Thursday, June 1st. My partner, Nicola Panoli, will walk through the application section by section to explain how applications are scored. He'll provide expert tips and strategies. Attendees can also have their questions answered during the live Q&A portion. The webinar will be Thursday, June 1st at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. <music>
This is an extremely popular event every year we host it. You can register at www.novaco.com webinars. And if you have any questions for Nicola in advance of the webinar, feel free to email him at Nicolo Pinoli, that's Nicolo.Pinoli at Novaco.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, Senate Finance Committee ranking member Ron Wyden last week introduced a clean energy bill. The Clean Energy for America Act would create a technology-neutral program to promote clean energy production. A technology-neutral tax credit incentive program has been the goal of many in the renewable energy business for several years. Under the bill, taxpayers would be able to choose between a production tax credit of 2.3 cents per kilowatt hour and an investment tax credit of 30%. The bill would also repeal the scheduled phase-downs for wind and solar incentives. Furthermore, current expired or expiring clean energy provisions would be extended through December 31, 2018. Now, similar legislation was introduced in the previous session of Congress, but didn't make any real progress. The current legislation does have 21 co-sponsors, including Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer and several members of the Senate Finance Committee. So far, though, every co-sponsor is a Democrat, except for Independent Senator Angus King from Maine. You can find the legislation at www.energytaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Hopefully, I'll see many of you next week at our San Francisco Affordable Housing Conference. If you are in attendance, please come up to me and say hi. And regarding the podcast, we do very much enjoy listener feedback. If there's a topic we should cover, a question you'd like answered, please email us. We can be reached at cpas at novaco.com. Also, feel free to share some compliments as well as constructive criticism, but please be nice. Well, that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.